Tonight we're going to talk a message, or I'm going to share a message called Wait For It. And uh, we are in the time of the year. How many, who loves Christmas? Y'all, y'all don't seem very excited about Christmas, y'all. We're like three weeks out from Christmas. Woo! Finals. Star Wars, we're excited about Star Wars. And, and, and you know, Christmas is something that we wait for all year long. Right? As soon as Christmas, y'all know those people who like in July were like, it's only 17 Sundays till Christmas. And I'm like, that's a long way to be counting down, you know. Um, And so, but Christmas, we wait for Christmas. And what is it about Christmas that you cannot wait for? Somebody give me something. Carols, movies, what? Gifts. You have color guard practice over Christmas break. All right. if If you're excited about that, that's awesome. That's cool. I was I was excited for band practice too, so I'm with you. But uh, say what working? Yeah, I know. But yeah, we love like we we you know, and Christmas is a time where we are anticipating things and we're looking forward to things. And and you know, so th- so uh, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about waiting. We're talking about waiting for things. Now, Wes mentioned Star Wars. I don't know about you guys, but. Um, I love movies, and I want to ask, who is your favorite movie character? Like, think of your favorite movie. Who's your favorite character? What? Well, who's the character? Han Solo. Okay, Han Solo from Star Wars. It doesn't have to be Star Wars, though. What, and I'm, I'm ignoring your John Cena comment, by the way. <laughs> what, what other movies? Think about another movie. Whatever your favorite movie is, who's your favorite character? Yeah. Who's your favorite character? SpongeBob, okay, from the SpongeBob movie. That's weird, but okay. I'm kidding. Who? Hang on, hang on. He's trying to talk. What? Beetlejuice? Okay, that's old school. Who's your favorite character? Kevin, the main character. All right. What did you say over here? He's the Notebook. Oh, the guy who Ryan Gosling plays. I don't even know. I, I saw that movie once, like a decade ago. No, that's a different actor. Okay, so yeah, but all those people we mentioned. Uh, we're like the main character, right? Han Solo and and uh, the guy from The Notebook, whose name we can't remember, and Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. But I'm weird, y'all. I, I dig the side characters a lot of times. Like sometimes the funniest characters, the characters whose, whose lines I quote the most are the side characters, okay? Uh, one of my favorite movies is A Knight's Tale. Anybody ever seen A Knight's Tale? Heath Ledger back in the day, like medieval thing. Put the picture up, Wes. So Heath Ledger, he's like front and center. He's obviously the main character. But my favorite dude is the guy in the back. His name is Watt, okay? Yeah, the one with the arrow over his head. Yeah, his name is Watt, and he's got the funny lines in the movie. Uh, like there's a, there's a point in the movie where uh, where where they refer, it's a jousting movie and, and kind of, and they, they refer to it as a stick. And he looks at the girl and he goes, it's called a lance, hello. And it's just, it's hysterical for some reason, the way he says it. And it's not even the main, it's, you know, it's like a throwaway joke, but it's hysterical. Uh, one of my other favorite movies, That Thing You Do. A few of you guys have watched it, I think. Um, the main characters are up front. But the dude in the back, he's the bass player. He doesn't even have a name. Literally, in the credits, his name is TB Player, the bass player. I kid you not, his character never gets a name. They never call him by name. They refer to him as, hey, where's your bass player? That's the only thing, like, it's hysterical. Um, But he's got the best line in the movie. Wes, what's the line? Chad fell down. And it's so stupid, and if you watch the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, 
He's got this ridiculous, this ridiculous joke, and a few of those like that. He's doing push-ups for Marines. It's weird. Um, and he's like, but he's got the funniest line. One more, uh, Ocean's Love, in one of my favorite movies ever. I can quote pretty good chunks of it. There's 11 dudes. You got Brad Pitt. We got George Clooney. We got Don Cheadle. And yet we got Bernie Mac and yet oh, Matt Damon. But, like, the two funniest dudes are the brothers. They're the Malloy twins. They're the, and, uh, and they have, like, like, they get into a fight over uh, they're playing, like, 20 questions where you got to They get in a fight in a van, and it's just stupid but funny. And so the Malloy twins, like, they're the side characters, but they're really funny. So they got, so now let's take the side characters and the Christmas story. Let's kind of tag team those and put those together here because um, I promise there was a point to all this. So in the Christmas story, who are the main characters? Jesus and Mary Joseph. Yes, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. We can all agree those are the three main characters of uh, the Christmas story if you were to write a play or movie, they would have, well, Jesus wouldn't have any lines, but um, but Mary and Joseph would have most of the lines, okay? Who are the side characters in the, we three kings, Gabriel the angel, who else? The wise men, yeah, Elizabeth and yeah, John and the host of angels, the lambs, and the shepherds. I heard, heard you say the shepherds. Tonight we're going to talk about the shepherds. We're going to think about this from their perspective a little bit, all right? We're going to think about, uh, about the shepherds. Now, if you have your Bible or your phone, the app, you, I've got the version ready. We're going to start in, uh, we're going to be in Luke 2, 8 through 15, and I'm going to read it quickly um, just to get through it because it is a little bit of a long thing, so I'm, we're just going to go through it. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host, that's what Shelley was talking about, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. In the last verse, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, in Jewish culture, okay, you got to understand the Jewish people at this time had been looking for the Messiah. Okay, the Old Testament, uh, the whole Old Testament points towards Jesus, towards the Messiah. And so these people, they knew the Old Testament prophecies and they were looking for him. They're like waiting. And it had been 400 years. There's 400 years between when Malachi, which is it Malachi? I think it's Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, and then Matthew and, and, the, and the Gospels. So there's a 400-year gap where it's just these Jewish people uh, living under Babylonian then Roman rule looking for the Messiah, okay? And so these shepherds, that would have been them too. They're looking for the Messiah. And so I imagine as they're traveling, you know, we, we just read verse 15, they're like, hey, let's go find this kid. So as they're traveling, think about it when you've been waiting for something. What, what kind of questions do you ask? about it what's it gonna be like what'd you say are we there yet okay if they're traveling yes but 
Right? Yeah, they're like, hey, I wonder what the, what the Messiah, we've been waiting for this Messiah, I wonder what he looks like. I wonder what his parents are like. I hope they're nice. Maybe he's a king. Maybe he lives like in a big palace. That would be cool, right? He's the Messiah. He probably does live in a palace. I bet you he's got a lot of cool clothes. You know, he, like, I bet these are the kind of things that I imagine the, the, uh, the shepherds were looking for. And we know that they were waiting because they're afraid at first, right? It says that they were terrified. But at the end... Now, if, if you weren't expecting this message at some point, what, and, and so imagine you have no concept of the Messiah. You have no concept of, of this coming king that they were waiting for, and these angels show up and start talking and singing in the middle of the night about a coming Messiah. What are you going to think? I must be crazy, right? Might have been thinking, hey, hey, what was in that we ate last night? What kind of grass was that? You know, like, like they're probably, that's what you would have been thinking, right? Like, hey, what the crap did we eat? Are you, did y'all see that or was that just me? Like, was that hallucination all in my head or did we all see that? Yeah, so if they weren't expecting it, they probably would have just kind of been like, all right, whatever, we're moving on. It's a bad shellfish, you know, keep moving. But they were, and, but we can know that they were expecting it because once they got the message, they're like, Sweet, let's go see him. That's awesome. It's like when your cousin or somebody is, pre- is, is pregnant. Now, imagine this. No, seriously, imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine you got a phone call from your cousin. She's like, I had the baby. And you're like, you were pregnant? It'd be weird. It'd be weird, right? But if you knew, you'd be waiting. You'd be waiting by the phone as soon as you got that call. Hey, the baby's here. Y'all want to come see him? Heck yeah, we want to come see him. And that's the shepherds, okay? So that's the shepherds. They're fired up about seeing, about seeing this Messiah. But they had been waiting for 400 years. Not those particular shepherds. They hadn't been alive that long. But the, their culture as a whole had been waiting for 400 years. And it's that time that I want to talk about, that while we're waiting time that's really hard for us to deal with sometimes, okay? Everybody in life, everybody in here is waiting for the next big moment in life, okay? If you're in middle school, you might be waiting until that day when you get to go to high school. If you're in high school, you might be waiting for that day when you get to drive. Or, and then you get your driver's license and you're waiting to graduate. And then you graduate and then you can't wait to graduate college. And then you graduate college and you can't wait to, to get married. And then you get married and you can't wait to have kids. And then when you have kids, you can't wait for them to graduate and get out of the house. And, you know, and, and our whole life is waiting for the next big thing. By the way, y'all's parents know, you know your parents want you out of the house, right? Yeah, okay, just making sure. Yeah, they've made it clear. They're like, I'm ready for you to graduate and be gone now. So, so here's the thing. We spend our whole lives waiting for that next step. We're in a constant state of waiting for the next thing. And we get that next thing, and then we almost immediately, we enjoy it for a little bit, and then we start waiting for the next part. You know, I think about Warren, who, if y'all know Chris and Cassandra, Warren, little one-year-old, he's adorable. Um, and he just started walking like two weeks ago. And now he's like plowing around the room. He's good to go. Man, he's got the whole room figured out. He's starting to try to run already. He's not quite ready for it. But today he tried to run across the room. It didn't work. But, you know, like three months ago, well, when they first moved here in like late summer, he was barely crawling. And they were kind of waiting for him to start crawling. And then he started crawling, and I was like, okay, now he's going to start walking. Now he's walking, and, you know, now they're ready to potty train. But uh, so – we spend our whole lives waiting for that next thing. And that's the problem is that we have to wait. And waiting is no fun. 
So the question we're going to answer tonight, here's, the, here's kind of the big question, is what do you do when you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you're going to be? Let me say that again because it's kind of a tongue twister or maybe a brain twister. What do you do when you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you're going to be? You say, I'm not, I'm not in that old spot, like I'm past that thing, but I'm not to this thing yet either. You're in the in-between time, and, and we're kind of in a permanent middle time. So that's what we're going to ask, and there's, there's examples of this all throughout the Bible. Uh, in the story of Jericho, the spies went into Jericho. They met Rahab. She's like, here, I'll help you out. And she said, okay. They said, all right, hang this, this scarlet thread from your window, and when we get back with our army, we won't kill you. Everybody else is going to die. You helped us out. You get to live. And then she had to wait 17 days. Now, that doesn't seem like that much. It's like, what, two and a half weeks? But think about that. She was waiting for an army to show up on the horizon. And I bet you every day she sat at that window with that scarlet thread hanging out like, are you all there yet? Do you see him? No, I wasn't it. Nervously waiting for 17 days. Paul, the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, Jesus shows up in a blinding light. He can't see. He gets his sight back. He knows he's going to preach the gospel. And then he spends three years studying before he writes a letter, before he writes one of the books of the Bible, before he goes out on his missionary journeys. Three years of studying. And this is a dude who's already really smart and already knew a lot of stuff. He spends three years studying before he started his ministry. Jesus. Y'all know about Jesus. We know at the age of 12, he said, uh, don't you know, I must be about my father's business. So at the age of 12, he knew he was the Messiah. He knew what he was called to do. How old was he when he started his ministry? 30. What's, what's, what's 30 minus 12? 18. So for 18 years, Jesus had to wait between I know what I'm called to do and I get to start doing it. Yeah, then he had to wait three and a half years to really fulfill it. But, but, what? We don't know. We don't really know if, like, when he was born, he was cognizant of it. We know by the time he was twelve, he was, because we have the story in the Bible where his parents were in Jerusalem and he he hung out and he he snuck out and stayed in Jerusalem when they were going back to Bethlehem or to to Nazareth and they went back and they're like dude where were you and he's like don't you know i must be about my father's business in other words i'm doing what i was put on this earth to do so he was hanging out in the temple at the age of 12 he knew what he was called to do and but here's the reason why we do so much waiting okay this is kind of the big problem when it comes to all this i'm going to read a verse second peter 3:8 says but do not forget this one thing dear friends with the lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Does that make it really? Because I don't. Does that make anybody else's brain hurt? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make, here's, here's the point. Here's the point. I'm going to explain it to you the best that I can, and that is this. This verse is a fancy way of saying God's timing is not our own. God can take as long as he wants or as quick as he wants to do whatever he wants because his timing is so vastly different from ours. And it's really hard for us in our finite minds to, to comprehend that and to get it and to wait on it. But his timing is totally, he's on his own clock. Man. Uh, 
Okay, yeah, I never saw Heaven is for Real, so I don't know, but I, I believe you. Okay. In the movie Heaven is for Real, a little kid basically dies and, and visits and visits he- heaven, and he either he's there, if, either he feels like he's in heaven for like several days, but in our world he was only out for a couple minutes or vice versa. She doesn't remember, and I never saw the movie, but Heaven is for Real is what the book is called. Okay, okay, let's... Again, point being, God's timing way different than ours. So, the question becomes, what do we do while we wait? That's our, that's the next thing. I'm going to spend the next several minutes answering that question. I've got four things. I'm going to try and get through kind of quickly. Um, four things that we do while we wait. The first thing we do is prepare. Okay, we prepare. You say, what do I prepare for? You prepare for the next thing. Okay. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wide. Now, the sluggard is a lazy person. He's like, hey, lazy bum, look at the ant. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at the harvest. In other words, even ants are smart enough to prepare for what's coming. And he's saying, why don't you? Again, we talked about Rahab in the story of the Battle of Jericho. Her, her preparation was to let the cord out. She had to put the cord down the wall so that they would know that's the person we're not supposed to kill. Okay? For me, oh, no, I've got a video. Okay, so before, and this is only marginally uh, spiritual, but it's funny, so uh, I'm going to play it anyways. Well, let's hit, that, hit the next video. We got home, and Dad did what he always did. He said, now go upstairs and prepare for your spanking. I still don't have any idea what that means. Go upstairs and prepare for your spanking. See, that was started with my older brother, who was born before me. And he would go upstairs and he would prepare. He knew what it meant. Go in your room, cry, think about what you've done, ask God to forgive you, and try to figure out how you'll never do that again. Nobody ever explained that to me. I would always go upstairs and prepare. I'd put on 17 pairs of underwear. (laughs) And I'd pull my jeans up over that. And my dad would come up to whip his deformed son. Whenever I... Whenever I hear the word prepare, that's what I think of is that video clip. It's, it's, from my, when I, it's from like the early 90s, as you can tell by the quality. It's an old video clip, but uh, it's one of my favorites for a long time. Mark Lowry is amazing. So we got to prepare. Not, not like that. That's weird, really. But I mean, it's funny. But we got to prepare for the next thing. For me, so earlier I went through all the stages, right? Y'all know I am now engaged. I'm preparing for marriage. And I've been preparing. Thank you. I've been... <laughs> I've been preparing for marriage for a long time. You're like, how do you prepare for marriage? Well, I've been listening to uh, sermons and things about marriage and how to, how, to, how, to, how to have a happy married life and reading books even and those kind of things. For a while, for several years now, I've been preparing for marriage so that I've been saving money so that when I got married, we wouldn't be broke, right? We'd have a little money in savings, be able to pay for the wedding, those kind of things. Uh, because when the time came, I wanted to be ready. It would it like guys, listen, listen. One day you're gonna get there. You got a while, but but check it out. If you don't prepare financially, you get to that point where you're ready to propose, and you look in your bank. You're like, what kind of engagement ring can I get for twelve dollars and thirty two cents? 
right? No, you got to be prepared. You got to have some money saved up so that when the time comes, you can hook her up with the blank. Yes. You can buy her 10 ring pops. If you can find a woman who will say yes to that, run away. She ain't worth it. Um, she ain't worth it, y'all. So we got to prepare. Number two, I got I to gotta get moving here. <laughs> Number two, we got to learn. Proverbs 1.5, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Proverbs 18.15, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge for the ears of the wise seek it out. Here's the question you got to ask when you're in a situation where you're waiting on the next thing. God, what do you want me to learn from this? And that's hard sometimes. Like things are going really bad and you're waiting to get out of it. And you're like, okay, God, what, what am I supposed to learn here? You'd be amazed. That's a big part of what I'm here for. Like as a youth pastor, as adults in your life, it is not our job necessarily to keep you out of those problems or out of problems in general, but to help you process and learn from them. Now, I don't want you to have problems, but you're going to. Nobody can protect you from everything. And so when you have an issue, something that you can't figure out, when you're going through something that's not great, and then you say, okay, what, what can I learn from that? And people who have been through it before can help you process that and help you learn from these situations in our lives. Moving on, number three, the third thing we should do is do, okay? James 2.26 says, The body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So faith without deeds is dead. In other words, if we say we love Jesus but we don't do jack, that's a dead faith. If we say we love Jesus, but we don't do jack, we don't do anything, our faith is dead. So you say, okay, what do I do? Like, what's the thing that I need to do? Do whatever you can. Serve as best you can. Help people as best you can. One of the issues that, uh, that, 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 that people have in today's culture is they want the big thing right now. They don't want to do the small things that lead to the big things. Okay, you got people who, who say... You know, I want to sing in a stadium, but they won't sing in front of 10 people. You got people who, actors who want $20 million per movie, but they don't want to do a community play to work their way up to that. You got uh, preachers who want to be Billy Graham, but they won't preach in a small church. Whatever you want to do, do it small first. Okay? Uh, you know, you got people who say, boy, I want to get a college degree, but you won't pay attention to your middle school teachers. You want to be a teacher, you won't tutor a younger kid. You want to be a big CEO with lots of people under you, but you won't go out for leadership positions in your school. You got to do the, I like it. Yeah, come on, talk about, I, I, like, I like that. That's awesome. Uh, I always want to go preach in one of the black churches where they talk back at you a lot. That'd be awesome. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> that would be amazing. Come on, like, preach your white boy. Woo! Anyways, you right over there, Hope? You good? Start waving hankies and junk. Uh, this is going off the rails. So here's the thing. Are you okay, Alex? You all right? Okay. You got to do the small things. You got to do the small things. Y'all know, you know, I get to lead worship here. Last year I got to lead worship at the, uh, at the, at the rodeo. The Youth Night the Rodeo is coming up. Last year, myself and the first party band, we led worship at it. Hundreds and hundreds of students. I've led at rallies and those kind of things. Y'all know where I started leading worship? In front of a youth group, probably smaller than this. It was me and CDs. I didn't even know how to play any instruments yet. I would just, like, hit play on the CD and then go change, you know, put the next song on. Like, I'm serious. That's where I started. And I had a little keyboard. And so I started leading from the keyboard. 
And then Brad and Aubrey joined in, and he grew, and, you know, and now I can do the things I can do. But, but I speak from experience. Do the small things. Do the small things. Luke 8.10 says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. We have to be faithful in the little things. And lastly, last thing we've got to do is stay. Where do we got to stay? We've got to stay in the will of God. Rahab, they told her, listen, stay in your house. Everybody who's in the house is going to be saved. But imagine if she had, like, left I'm going to go hang out with my friend, and then they come over the horizon. She'd be dead. Rahab, the story of Joshua, Battle of Jericho. They told Rahab, you helped us out, so stay in your house, hang a red cord down, and your house will be saved when we invade. But imagine if she had gone over to a friend's house and been not there, not in the house. we got to stay in the will of God. Will of God's like an umbrella. It's not bad luck. There's no such thing. a big umbrella it's great it's a huge umbrella but stay with me here stay with me stay with me guys God's will I actually heard this from Angela Angela is the one who I first heard give this analogy she said her dad used to used to tell her when she was a kid but God's will is like an umbrella if it's raining and I've got my umbrella I'm safe from the rain but if it's raining and I'm outside the umbrella and I'm like why am I getting umbrella why won't you work because I'm not under it. That's how the will of God works, though. We get outside the will of God, and then we're like, God, why aren't you protecting me? You said you'd work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. You're like, you're outside the purpose, you dingbat. Stay in the purpose, then you get the protection. Last scripture, and then and then we'll and then we'll 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 roll out. We'll close down. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven through thirteen. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Now you've heard that one a bunch of times. Hang on, don't go to the next one yet. You've heard that one a bunch of times. But the next two verses explain the conditions. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. See, if you call and come and pray to him, he will listen to you. If you don't, you're outside the will. You're outside the protection. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. When we're not seeking God, we're not in his will, we're no longer under his protection. So whatever it is you're waiting for, whatever the stage in life, whatever the next thing that you really want to happen You got to stay. You got to do. You got to learn. You got to prepare. That way, when that next thing comes, you're ready for it. I want you guys to bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to think about what that next stage is. I want you to make a mental note. Even, even maybe go home and write this down. Put it on a sticky note. Put it on your bathroom mirror where you'll see it. But think about what it is you need to do to prepare for the next stage. Ask God right now, what is it I need to learn from this situation? Because no matter what stage in life you're in, there's another one coming. And you can be preparing. You can be learning.
you can be doing, you can be practicing. I'm serious. I want you guys to write it down tonight when you get home on a sticky note or something. Write something down. Write an action step down that you're thinking of right now. Right now, there's something coming in your head. The Holy Spirit's leading you right now uh, in, a, in, a, in a way, something you can be doing to prepare for the next season. And when you get home, I want you to write that down. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it. Let me pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. Lord, we uh, are so grateful for who you are and for your love for us, like we sang about earlier, that you do love us and you are great. And so we proclaim that tonight. But God, I pray that as we wait on our next season, and we're all in that stage, we're all in some stage of waiting for the next season. Seniors are waiting to graduate. Juniors are waiting to be seniors. Middle schoolers are waiting to get to high school, etc., etc. God. Whatever we're waiting for, God, let us be ready. Lord, give us right now action steps. Give us right now things that we can do to prepare and get ready for that next thing, Lord. I pray that you would, uh, through your Holy Spirit, that you would guide us and you would reveal things to us that we wouldn't have thought of on our own, Heavenly Father. I pray that you would make your will clear, God. We don't always know the big picture, God, but I pray that the next step would be clear in each of our hearts and we would, we would stay in that. We would stay in the will of God. Lord, we would not stray. We would not get outside from, out from under the umbrella of your protection, Lord. God, I pray that, again that you would bless every student that's here, God, as they uh, prepare for finals, as they take their finals in the next couple of weeks, and that they're break, their winter break would be restful and would be relaxing and they would get uh, exactly what they need from it, God. Lord, we thank you for the way that you're work going to work in our lives, whether you have been working in our lives and that uh, we know that we can trust you because you loved us before we deserved it and before we loved you. God, we do love you. It's in your name.